kids. Papa wears diapers and he keeps them in an outhouse, and Nana walks around at night without her clothes, and Papa thinks strangers are following him. I knew we were going to have this call. You're old, Tyler. Old people have trouble with their bodies sometimes. They also aren't very self-aware. They can get paranoid, too. Welcome back to episode 33 of The Fear of God. Um, this is your podcast destination for heartwarming, enriching, uh, sometimes comedic, sometimes puzzling conversations about that strange intersection of the Christian faith and the horror genre. With you is Nathan Rouse. I am frequent co-host, longtime friend of typical co-host Reed Lackey, though not uncommonly for him. He's a bit in absentia at the moment. He said something about needing to make a deposit in the barn, um, you know, <laughs> or it was either that or he wanted to go play Yahtzee. Um, so I, I don't know where the Reed, there you are, buddy. <laughs> you are. Oh, you're, I'm sorry. You're back from the barn. <laughs> Uh, back, back from the barn. Boy, you are going to pay for that. <laughs> let me tell you. I should have never let you open this episode. I should have oh, never. Oh, come on. Hey, that I'll open funny. the visit. I didn't know you were going to talk about Reed as an incontinent individual. <laughs> that's, that's great. Oh, that's funny. It is great. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm, boy, I'm excited that we're doing springtime for Shyamalan. Yes. That is, uh, that, that this has already been. I enjoyed our conversation last week so much. So this is already this has already been richly rewarding, and we still. So have, you like, would not say you were of you were kind of of two minds about last week's conversation. Nope, nope. I was unified, body, mind, and spirit. You were whole. That uh, yeah, I was whole. So yeah. yes, we are. If if you're confused about what on earth we're talking about, um, we are currently. Uh, this is our second of five in a series. We are dubbing springtime for Shyamalan, and this week in particular. We are discussing uh, the 2016 movie, The Visit, um, which I just watched recently for the very first time. Reed, I've got a question for you, and I will answer it while you ponder. Okay. In the spirit of this movie, I was wondering what a, like, what is a fun grandparent story you have? Like, this movie is all oh about, gosh. this movie is all about uh, bonker faux grandparents but hey that's a spoiler alert um so my oh my, my fun grandparent story is my mima who was my mother's mother um her husband passed away when i was two years old and that's the fun story no really not at all oh um, my god <laughs> <laughs> um no but mima when i was i don't know eight nine ten 
she would sit me on her lap and sing the Howdy Doody song. Do you remember Howdy Doody? Oh, I do. Howdy Doody do. was the puppet, the little, mm-hmm. was he, he wasn't like little a little ventriloquist. Like ca- yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, was he like a cowboy or something? He had freckles. He was a scary. Yeah. Well, so it's funny, like that used to happen. That sounds real weird. And I suppose on a certain level it is, but Howdy Doody was popular when she was a young, a youngster. Um, a whippersnapper. And what's funny about this story that I didn't mean to tell until it's coming to me now is years later, my mother would thought it was like funny, like a cute gift gave me a howdy doody doll, like oh, for Christmas no. one year. Yeah. This was when I was like in my late twenties, early thirties or something. And I was like, it's not, no, that, you know, the effect is not achieved. This does not provide nostalgia. It's just scary and it needs to depart. <laughs> it needs to depart my presence. So that is my sort of fun anecdotal grandparent story tying into the visit. What about you? Do you have a specific? Oh my gosh. So I'll just, uh, uh I'll keep it to, uh, my grandfather told me one of my, f- he told me my favorite joke and I'm going to honor him <laughs> in, in my way by, by telling my favorite joke here right now. Uh, I will say that like all of my grandparents, uh, have, have passed on the, uh, most recent one being my, my nanny. I used to spend so many summers with my grandparents. The reason I'm saying all of that is because my, my grandfather was a pastor for a number of years. Very, very serious man. Knew the Bible almost verbatim, and I'm not exaggerating to say that. They used to, in in sort of comical ways, throw out a random scripture verse, and he would likely be able to recite it to you. Like they would say, uh, what's John 4.20 say? And he would likely be able to pull it out right away. He just knew the Bible by heart. He was an, uh, just an exceptional preacher, and, and my grandmother as well was just uh, devoted to children's ministry and wonderful human being. That having been said, my grandfather told me this joke. So... <laughs> These, uh, these three ministers and their wives, uh, died and they went to heaven. They stand at the pearly gates. And when they're standing at the pearly gates, uh, you know how all these jokes go. Um, they're standing at the pearly gates. And then Peter tells the first minister, he says, listen, he said, you devoted your life to the Lord. So you're getting into heaven. That's no problem. But we want to point out to you your biggest vice. Um, you were so obsessed with money that you married a woman named Penny. You should have seen this coming. Um, so then anyway, they let the first minister in. The second minister is getting a little nervous, comes up there. Second minister walks up to St. Peter. St. Peter gives him the same spiel. And he says, you had such an addiction to sweets and to desserts uh, and to sweet treats that you married a woman named Candy. Like this, this should have been obvious to you, right? And at this point, the third minister leans over at his wife and says, Fanny, maybe we better leave. <laughs> I was admittedly very unprepared for that punchline. <laughs> wow. And I thought this was going to be that, like normal sanitized preacher humor, but no. Oh my goodness. And, and the fact that, the fact that my grandfather, <laughs> who knew the Bible by heart and like, and said that joke to me, it's, my, it's still my favorite joke. I've heard many hysterical jokes. Uh, that one's admittedly a bit cheesy, but that is still my favorite <laughs> joke. So I'm going to honor my papa's memory by sharing yes. the joke that he shared with me so many years ago. That is great. Oh, that is great. That's awesome. Well, yes, this is a, this is a great prelude to dive into the visit. So, man, I got to tell you, like, I am excited. I mean, it's, I'm excited generally about springtime for Shyamalan. Sure. I sure. have not seen the visit. So I saw Split because you see Split. That's what you do, right? It's a new Shyamalan movie. Um, the visit right, right. was a little more under the radar, right? I mean, it, I, I don't recall its box office 
you know, wh- whether it, it made... Did, it did very well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it did very well. And there's there's more I'll say on that when we get into trivial bits. Yeah, yeah so it did very well. Such a, such a great serial. Um, <laughs> um, but somehow I just missed that, uh, and I feel dumb in hindsight, but I didn't, it didn't click with me that it was, that he wrote and directed it at the time of its release. So oh, right, I right. wasn't perceiving it. And admittedly, I was burned by the after earth the the happenings the airbenders all this stuff but i wasn't ready to give him credit again and so the visit kind of came and went from the theater for me well then knowing we were getting here and seeing i don't remember if it was just conversations with you there was a general um goodwill towards the visit in what i was reading yes. and seeing yeah so about a week ago i finally sat down and watched it watched it and man i loved it I loved the visit. I was not ready for just how scary it was. Like, Mm -hmm. because, because the trailer, uh, the trailer has a bit of a comedic tone to it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so there's a, as does the film. Well, yes, yes. It's definitely black comedy, but, but the, the trailer has a little more makes you think, okay, this is just going to be a bit more fun with a bit of an edge to it. Kind of almost Tim Burton esque. Mm. But then the watching of it, was decidedly a scary movie. I mean, it is, it is probably what's, I would say it is his lone defining horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, I think in, 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 mm. in the sort of more traditional horror trope, like it's, it's got, it's bloody, it's, it's violent, it's, it's decisively scary in a way that a lot right, of his movies right. aren't. You know, there, there are determined jump scares. I don't know. I, I, I can tell you're not really comfortable with that statement, but. Well, because, uh, purely because he broke ground with the sixth sense. I mean, the sixth yes, sense is a, is a yes. horror story. That is yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, it has yeah. these emotional upbeats that, yeah. that the visit doesn't quite have. And the visit is definitely more visceral in that sense. Right. But yes. the sixth sense is a proper ghost story. It's a proper horror. Well, horror and I film. think that's what I'm scratching at is like the word that popped into my head when you brought up sixth sense. And this was sort of involuntary was Gothic. Like I would look at sixth mm. sense. So, so yes, I, I, I don't disagree at all with this, with what you're saying that, uh, the, the sixth sense is kind of the Raven of, of Shyamalan's catalog. You know what I mean? It's, it's sure. Yeah. The, sure. The ghost story. That's an appropriate mis- Yeah. That's like an that? appropriate comparison. You like that? Yes. I like it. Um, and for anyone wondering, we discovered the Raven two weeks ago and you can listen to Bill Obers sure. Jr. Do a reading of the Raven. Check it out. <laughs> that's exactly right. Please <laughs> um, do. Uh, so anyway, all that to say the visit has such a decisively like horror, you know, I mean, it just sits squarely in that genre in, in a way that I think a lot of his movies don't, but I, I love it. Let yeah, me go. Let in. me go one way with you. I do think it's his scariest film. Yes. Sixth Sense, while I think it's a proper horror film, it's not terribly scary. Yeah. I think The Visit is his scariest movie. Yes. Yeah. So I'll go with you yeah. there. Yeah. And I think, I think it was such a, yeah, you used the word visceral a minute ago. The watching of it was much more visceral than I anticipated. I mean, there were legitimate, oh, Gwen Stefani moments in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm. I have uh, made it after having revisited this film. Ah, see what I did there. Yes. Um, I have made it a, a personal mission to want to to substitute instead of uh, pop culture celebrities. I'm going to substitute politicians' names every single time oh, well, see, but that I want to curse. That's not you know? fun because because politicians naturally make a person want to curse, whereas pop stars, <laughs> you're like, oh, that's kind of like bubblegum. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, so yes, we are talking about the visit today. Um, so did you see it in the theater? I did. Okay. I was, I, okay. So here's my brief history with the visit. I have watched all of Shyamalan's films and after I saw the happening, uh, which I want to talk about maybe another time, but after I saw the or happening, not. uh, <laughs> no, there's, there's a story there, but after I saw the happening, I really was like, okay, now, now I think I'm, I think I'm agreeing with everybody else had kind of started to break up with him with the village or with Lady in the Water. And then I was like, no, I don't like the happening at all. So now I think I'm breaking up with, with Shyamalan. So then when Last Airbender came out, I waited to hear about the reviews before I saw it. And when the reviews were abysmal, I didn't go see it in the theater. Um, I eventually did see it and, and I have a brief story about that. Um, and then After Earth, same story. I waited for the reviews and it, it was again abysmal. But then when the visit started coming out, I saw that the reviews initially were rather positive. And so I was like, huh, Shyamalan, still one of my favorite directors from his early stuff, is now having a movie out there that is getting mostly positive reviews. I've got to go see this. Right. And so I went to see it and nobody else would go with me because all of my friends have abandoned Shyamalan ship. So I, would, I basically. I would have gone with you, Reed. See, um, if but, we lived closer right, together. Exactly. That's, yeah. But, um, but I went to see that and I, I can remember, uh, like, from one of the first moments, I'll talk about it in likes, dislikes, but from one of the first moments I was sitting there, I was like, this, this already feels great. This already feels good. Like, I feel like I'm back to where I, to what I loved so much about him. And I'm hoping he doesn't let me down. I, this, this feels fantastic. And I, uh, walked out of the visit giggling to myself and <laughs> creeped out because it was late at night and driving home. And I just, I, I loved it. I loved it so much. I've said to people before, like, the visit may not be for everybody. But good lord, I am the audience for that movie yes. because I loved nearly every moment of it. So, so because you're an incontinent grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, with a wife named Fanny. <laughs> oh my gosh! But like, I, I cannot tell you how. And part of my, my giddiness and excitement about it was that I had been saying Nathan for like a decade. I had said to to friends. Every single time Shyamalan came up, I said, he's got more good films in here. Yeah. Because yeah. it was such this, like, Sixth Sense kicked the door down for him. And I have more stories about my history with him that are for later times. But Sixth Sense kicked the door down for him. Unbreakable solidified that he wasn't going anywhere. Signs was um, heavily lauded. Um, it's it's not as popular, but uh, Signs was heavily lauded and made a ton of money. The Village is where things started, kind of started to, to digress a little bit for people, although it's your favorite Shyamalan flick. But... Then I'm, I'm kind of an apologist for Lady in the Water about certain things, and we'll get to that another time. But then with The Happening, I was just really sort of down on it. And with Last Airbender, you know what's interesting about Last Airbender? Nothing. He defends that film still so much. You haven't seen Last no, Airbender or After Earth, no. right? Uh -uh. He defends Last Airbender by saying that he made it for kids. And I did it. I chose Springtime for Shyamalan to have a little film experiment. I wanted to rewatch everything, including Last Airbender and After Earth and The Happening. And so I went in to Last Airbender and I was like, you know what? When I saw this film, I wasn't a father. Let me, let me see how my son likes it. My son's five years old. Let me see if he enjoys it. Nathan, he loves it. Really? Loves Last Airbender. I mean, one of Shyamalan's main defenses for the film is that he made it for kids. Now, I don't totally buy that sure. as acceptable because you have 150 like, billion. Well, uh, it's kind of like Zack Snyder with BBS being like, oh, we made it for the fans. Made it for the fans, yeah. right? It's it's, it's I made it exact for the thing. kids. Exactly. So I don't totally 
let him off the hook for that. It's still, I was struggling to stay awake with my reviewing of it. It was, it, I, I still think it's a, it's a rather bad. You were movie. just like, God, I hope this is the last airbender. <laughs> <laughs> but man, my son loved it. That's funny. Talked about it all night, wanted to see it three or four more times, which he has. I and mean, you know, with me in the other room, cause I was like, I ain't taking this three or four more times, but he loved it. Uh, it's not a conversation that I want to have right now. Um, cause I want to get to the visit, but it just made it interesting to me. I was like, well, maybe there's a little bit of validity to the fact that there is just that there is an audience for this film. But all of that to say, I saw After Earth and I can remember when I watched After Earth. I think After Earth is not a very good movie, but I remember when I saw it. I remember saying like, hmm, this is a step up from Last Airbender and from Happening. I said it and I said it to a couple of friends who I, you know, I didn't say it to the room around me after I finished After Earth. But I said it to a couple of friends right after I had seen it. I said, I'm going to call it right now that his next film is going to be pretty good. Because I saw some things in After Earth that I was like, here's here's a little bit, a little bit of an elevation here. There's an emotional component to it that's been missing. It's it's not a very entertaining film because it's very slow paced and it's it's almost entirely centered around Will Smith's son which just he he doesn't have the gravitas that he needs to carry a film but that's no offense to him it's just that, that's that's the way that that's my perception of it was that he just didn't have the the chops to really pull off a solo film and it really is very much almost a solo film it's just him most of the time but there's an emotional quality to it there's a couple of you know you have a different cast and maybe less of a stigma surrounding Shyamalan's name and it would probably be a pretty good movie, just maybe a couple of tweaks here and there. And so I said to a few friends, I was like, it wouldn't surprise me if he's if he's going to make a really good movie now. And here's what he did. He took the director's fee from After Earth and financed the visit. And here's what's so great about the visit making a ton of money. Jason Bloom over at Bloom House, mm. production company, brilliant guy. Genius guy, because he's making all these micro-budget films. I mean, we're talking Insidious and the Paranormal Activities, all these major franchises made for tiny, tiny budgets and then just raking in all of the profits. It's a, it's a really sort of brilliant way to attract filmmakers because they've said, when you're making a mil, and, you know, I don't have $5 million, <laughs> but when you're making a film for $5 million versus the $150 billion, or not $150 million, <laughs> versus... The hundred and fifty million of money. That last Airbender had, yeah, lots of money. When you when you have that weight behind it, it has to do well, right, and it has right, to do substantially right, right. well. But when you have this really small film, you can take better chances. You can, uh, you know, be a little riskier, possibly be a little edgier. And so Jason Bloom's provided this place where these these guys can come in and make the films that they want to make. And Shyamalan connected with him, and now we have the visit, and then we have Split, and I think it's. It's really wise what he's doing and how he's making these films. So, yeah, basically Shyamalan took uh, his director's fee from After Earth and that's what he made the visit with. And he wanted to just step away from the big budget. His last three films had been gigantic budgets. He wanted to step away from that, get a lot more close to home. And I think it was I think it was really smart for him to do that. Sure. Yeah, it's a great movie. Let's jump in. What what? That felt like some trivial bits you were dropping. Any other, any other? I think that's the primary sort of like triviality that I would, that I would bring to this, unless you had something. Nope. Um, likes, dislikes. I don't, uh, I don't have any dislikes, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Um, I loved 
so much of the scary stuff, but what I wrote down as a, as a primary, like, and then I can, we can move on is, um, I just wrote that it's got a surprisingly rich emotional subplot. I was, I was yeah. really oh, yeah. un, unprepared for how kind of rich that thread was. Yeah. And I will say on that, uh, this wasn't specifically in my likes, dislikes, but I will say on that, that in the revisit, because I knew what was coming, the scares didn't scare me as much. I think they depend a little bit on shock and surprise, but the emotional beats hit me just as hard, if not harder than they did the first time around. Um, that. You're absolutely right. It's got a very strong emotional undercurrent that I think works really, really well. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, when we're talking about themes. But I can remember the moment, and this was what I alluded to earlier. I can remember that when the mom is running alongside the train. Oh, and she, oh it's so beautiful. Oh, it's great. And I thought like, wow, how real that is. And that was when the mom was running alongside the train and you see her suddenly start to like blend in a little bit of that breakdown of like, oh, my babies are going away for a week and, and, and the weight of emotion behind where they're going and everything. That was when I sat in the theater and thought to myself, cause I'm not dumb enough to talk. <laughs> um, but I sat in the theater and thought to myself, he, he might be back. This is, this is fun. Supposedly. He, according to if 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 Shyamalan's you know ac- excesses can be believed, his comments here and there supposedly he made an entire cut of this film that was pure comedy, an entire cut of this film that was pure horror, and then what he eventually released that was kind of a blend of of the two. Hmm. And I tell you, that that's part of my what I walked away with. I was surprised by how much I laughed, and I was surprised sure. by how freaky some of the freaked out stuff was. Like, well, let me ask you. I think it's a great blend. Yes, it, it, yeah, it's definitely that. Let me ask you. Um, you know, we talked last week about the twist nature of Shyamalan's work, and you know, this is one he really kind of sinks his teeth into, but mm-hmm. but isn't one that you would nece- necessarily go in expecting. You know, a twist. Oh yeah, um, right, right. Did you? Right. Did you? And if so, where? What? What did you actually forecast? You know, did you know anything about the story? Um, when did you start to really know, okay, I mean, clearly something's wrong with the two of them, but when right. did you start to think, okay, this, okay, something more than just them having issues is wrong. What, what did, what um, did you suss out before it actually revealed? Almost nothing. Oh, really? I mean, uh, yeah, occasionally I'll be sort of keen to understanding, oh, this is where something's going to go, or, uh, you know, I'll, I'll guess certain relative plot points, but I actually thought, again, Shyamalan kind of threw me a curveball because he makes relatively very redemptive stories and not that this is not one, but I kept thinking we were leading towards like, oh man, something's really wrong with them and it's going to, you know, the something's going to come in and, and they're going to, you know, I thought either they're going to lead towards this very redemptive thing, getting back together with their daughter and, and that being sort of the resolution of everything, or that they were going to step into full-blown supernatural and there was going to be some weird, oh. like, an actual presence or something like that. So I was, I was kind of thinking along those lines. So I, I will tell you, and you know, huge spoilers for the visit right now, but I will tell you the moment that they're Skyping with their mom and the mom says, That's such a great moment that she says like, those aren't your grandparents. I'm sitting in the theaters and my, my blood pressure dropped. I was just like, Oh God, <laughs> my heart goes down into my you feet. You like, I was Oh, Celine like, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, because, because me personally, and you know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of our listeners might be sitting there going, Oh, I saw that coming a mile away. Fine. I'm glad for you. I didn't. And it, it terrified me. I was like, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe 
Well, it's such spending a, all this well, time with, with mental patients. Right, right, right. Well, that's such, that's such a great moment. Cause I will say, you know, knowing Shyamalan, knowing, okay, something is clearly amiss. I wasn't, I did not call, okay, these are actually not the grandparents. You know, they allude to the hospital or their work or treatment there. I started my, Mm. how I sort of stumbled into it was I thought, okay, did they do some treatment they weren't supposed to? And now they're like, you Mm. know, kind of screwed up from some medicinal stuff or something. Well, I was watching it with somebody and he said, there's a part where fake grandfather says, y'all don't go in the basement or whatever it is. And oh yeah, it says there's mold down there. Right. Well, he picked up on that and said there's there's bodies down there. Oh my god. And smart guy. And so it was those two pieces of the puzzle like there's something wrong with them actually and there's possibly bodies in the basement. I didn't know it with certainty, but about the halfway point I thought well, maybe it was once they it was before the mom actually says it on Skype. But it wasn't mm. too long before that. That was like it's not them. I mean, it was this really revelatory, like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, you know, because, because it explains everything, you know, it's one of those, Uh it's one of those pieces of the puzzle that locks everything into place as opposed to just sort of, you know, sixth sense. So Bruce Willis is really dead the whole time. Like that's sort of a a narrative exhalation. Uh, when this happens, it's kind of a narrative inhalation. It's like, (gasps) Oh my God. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, wow. God, how are these people going to get out of this? Oh, we're all going to die. Yahtzee. Um. And I will say <laughs> that I think having seen all of them recently, I'm a huge defender of the sixth sense twist. I think it holds together very well. I've defended it to defend. It's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've defended it online to people who don't think it holds up really well, but that having been said, rewatched all of them and I think the visit is the twist of his that holds together the best upon repeat scrutiny. Because as I was watching for, I was like, surely there's something in there that would have clued them in beforehand, but there's nothing. The opportunities where they're Skyping with the mom beforehand, uh, the grandparents are are gone. Right. They're they're not there. And the opportunities when people come to the door looking for the grandparents, they're not there. They're gone. You know, so all of these little things, plus the fact that this doesn't have any sort of supernatural component. That, that makes it all hold together pretty well. The fact that people are looking for the grandparents, right. like, hey, they haven't checked in in a couple of days. Is everything all right? So that's something that I think it probably holds together better than any of his well, other and, twists. And think about it, film. too, as a parent watching this. Uh-uh. That moment uh-uh. When, she, when, you know, the moment you're describing of when she says that's yeah. not them, you're like, oh, my God. You know, as a parent, <laughs> it's like children run, flee, please go get out. You oh, know? yes. I mean, oh, it is absolutely. intense. Um, so, yeah, oh that's, that's a lot of great likes, dislikes. I've got quite a list of the scary stuff. I know you said on repeat viewings it diminishes well, a bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Real quick. No, that's okay. Just two two things real quick. I just want to point out that I think I groan and roll my eyes at almost every single found footage film I've ever seen, but I think this one works really well. Yeah. Just the found footage format, the fact that Becca's an aspiring filmmaker, and I just think there's a couple of moments where I'm like, well, the camera wouldn't be there. But there's a couple of moments sure. where I'm like, they use it really well. Um, and it's something we'll get into, I'm sure, with scary Yeah, scenes. some of it you just got to kind of buy. but Exactly. Um, but I think in general, the found footage works really well for this, more so than I normally think it does. Hey, um... You know, upon consideration in this very moment, I don't remember seeing old Shyamalan in the movie. Where is he? 
No, he's not. He's not really. He doesn't make a cameo in this film. Yeah, he doesn't make a cameo in this film. I don't believe he does. It would su- it would surprise me if there's nothing there because I mean he's in Split, right? He's the he's the video tech. He's a security tech. He is in Split, uh, but he wasn't in. He didn't make an appearance in After Earth, and he is not listed in any of the credits, credited or undercredited in um, on IMDb. No, I do not think he's in this for the visit. Yeah. For the visit. Yeah, I don't think he's, yeah, I don't think he's interesting. In. Oh, last, li- yeah. last like, dislike is I want to say, if I'm saying her name correctly, Deanna Dunnigan, who plays Nana. Oh, man. What an amazing performance. Yeah. What a wonderful, I mean, it can get lost a little bit in, in how terrifying their characters are, but what an, what an outstanding performance. Just really, really strong. Balances the humor and the awkwardness and the fear very, very well. It's a it's a fantastic performance. Um, so yeah, that that ends my life. Well, I mean, you're, I mean, you know, to to coin Nana, um, Reed, you have to laugh to keep the deep darkies in the cave. Good lord, that scene! <laughs> oh my gosh, that scene! All right, so scary stuff. All of them involved Nana. The whole movie, right? Does the whole movie count? Well, th- th- when you when you start your sequence of scares with a barfing grandmother in the middle of the night, oh my gosh! Yeah. So my scares are barfing Nana. Hide and seek, Nana. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> Hide and seek, Nana. Can I pause you real quick and talk to you about how I'm very comfortably relaxed, sitting there with my popcorn, everything like that, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> this hairy thing starts. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. <clears throat> and how my popcorn like jumps up at from at from out of my lap because I jumped so high and I just set the popcorn gently over to the side. Like, oh, That's okay, I think funny. this movie's taking a turn. Oh, oh my gosh, gosh, the basement. Good lord. Well. And again, because you're just so thrown, you're like, what is up with these people? Yeah. I mean, clearly, oh, yeah. clearly there's something wrong with them, but it's grandma and grandpa. Like, we love grandma and grandpa, you know? Yeah. Oh, he, may, he may poop in the stable and she may gallop under the house, but they're grandma and grandpa. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that yeah. and probably the most jump for me, jump moment was Nana in the camera. Oh, uh, the nanny cam? Oh, my <laughs> the nana cam? Gosh, that was <laughs> oh <my> awful. Because <laughs> I just was yeah, not that... ready for it. I mean, I just, I wasn't even thinking that was going to happen. Nope. Me either. Last of my scary list. Clearly, I was, I was terrified the whole movie. Um, <laughs> dude, get in the oven. Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. How tense. Good <laughs> Lord. Friggin'. Oh, man. Can you step inside the oven to clean it? Like, uh-uh. More? I'm just, oh, man. It's, it's so nerve-wracking. The whole thing is nerve-wracking. Well what's, well, what's funny about I, that scene is I'm like, how big is this friggin' oven? <laughs> uh, she's a teenager. I, well, right, she's small. Right. Well, oh my God. I don't know, man. That's a deep oven. <laughs> anyway. My, yeah. I will say uh, what I wrote down for scary moments, I sincerely wrote down the entire final 20 minutes. Oh, <laughs> because from the moment that the from the moment that it's revealed that they're not the real grandparents, I just I was on edge the entire time. Yeah, because and here's and here's what he did that was rather smart. And I want I want to be a little sensitive here because it's a it's a dire plot twist. The fact that they have killed uh, Becca and. T Diamond Styles. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call him. <laughs> he the was fact great. that, oh, they were both so great. Yeah. Th- those actors are, are outstanding in this. But the fact that these mental patients had killed the grandparents, the, it really left me like, oh my gosh, I was not expecting this movie to take this dark of a turn. Right. I was not expecting it to be that dark. So when Becca stumbles ac- upon their bodies, I was sincerely in fear 
for uh, Becca and Tyler. I was like, this, like, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to make it out. I didn't think that there would be a, an M. Night Shyamalan film where the, the kids don't make it out. But then we get split. And right. some of the kids don't make it out of split, you know? So I was like, oh my gosh, this, and I mean, granted, I saw this first, but sure. I really was in the mindset of like, this has, this has gone darker than I thought. So when it took that dark, nasty turn, I mean, I'm deranged, so I loved it, but I was terrified <laughs> for most of that. Um, but the other, the other scary moment that I wrote down, which is really not so much scary, scary as it is make you run around in the middle of the night barfing. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, you got to think about germs, don't you? That that's the moment I wrote down. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? The diaper face. Oh, when he says you got to think about germs, don't oh. you? I'm like, good oh my god. god, yeah. That is that is the worst thing Shyamalan has ever done to a character. Yeah, we're so desensitized in our violence culture to dead grandparents in basements that it was really the diaper in the face that was the worst thing in that movie. I was like, no, no, uh, uh-uh. even. Listen, even Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers didn't ever shoved a diaper in somebody's face. Okay? Even even they're sitting there going like, "Man, pop pop's twisted, pop pop's sick, man." They're like, they're like, "We'll do some nasty stuff to people, but man, pop." Michael Myers twisted. and the boys are sitting there eating their popcorn. They're like, "Oh, Katy Perry, no, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna mess with that." That whole Christina Aguilera in the face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. If that anyone, a, and, if and anyone it, has not seen, like, read, if anyone has not seen this movie, they're like, what is Nathan saying? Why is he keep doing that? <laughs> it's so true. But yes, the diaper well, in the face also, is like, awful. Like freaking the, the, the other thing that really sort of got to me is, uh, when, when grandpa leans in, even before that, man, how horrific is this? Leans in and he said, I never really liked you. I'm like, oh my gosh, Pop Pop has taken this turn for the, for the pure evil that yeah. is, that is just, uh, it, it's beyond the pale, man. This is, this, this guy is just horrific. He's just tremendously horrific. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, the, like I said, the whole final 20 minutes before everything finally resolves is just, is just nail biting for me. That bedroom chase scene, oh, get out of here. Yeah. Oh my gosh, with Nana creeping under the covers and freaking, uh uh-uh, uh. I want you to know, I it. want you and listeners to know right now. So I record in my laundry room, just, you know, that's really random, but I've got a sleeping three month old who occasionally doesn't sleep, but I want to not disrupt the home. My laundry room is off of my house. It's connected to it, but you have to go outside to get to it. So uh, talking about this movie, I just pulled the door shut and locked it. Says, yeah, I yes. just don't want anyone. <laughs> I don't even want to consider the possibility of like my wife, like jumping in and scaring me or something like that would. Oh no. I would, no, no, I would no, say no, all no. the pop stars names. Yes, exactly. But yes, I mean, I think the film is very, 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 very scary. But one of the things that I was, as we already commented on that I was surprised by was that it has a strong emotional resonance and a strong emotional undercurrent. What did you what did you take away from a from a kind of a thematic standpoint? Well, you know what's funny is up until the halfway point, I was writing down some themes and those themes just in no, in sort of one or two words form was grandparents, uh generational stuff, uh elder care, plight of the old. And then at the halfway point I was like, "Oh, no, this isn't what this movie's about at all. 
because I thought it was sort of setting you up for like, oh, these poor old people, no one's taking care of them. You know, they're, oh they're being mistreated. The system's abusing them. Like, how are we going to take better care of the old people in our society? Oh, wait a minute. No, these are just crazy old people who will wipe Uh-oh. diapers in your face. Um, oh my gosh. So, so no, I had to sort of redirect. Um, I do think I, I only really had one major theme and and most of my themes of late are just derived from quotes from characters and this is um mm. this is the mom at the very end when she's being recorded and she's talking about forgiveness and she says it was there when, oh, whenever i wanted it yeah with reference to the loss she now feels over her parents and how she never mended that relationship and i think I mean, this will really be, I'll respond to whatever you have to say, but just kind of my sole kind of contribution to the theme conversation. Like that was so powerful. I mean, there is, you know, for a movie as sort of wild of a ride as the visit is like, that is a, a grenade and to use our normal language of, of truth, like the, the relationships that we through, through our, severing or through the, by the severing of others relationships that have been broken by time and by wounds and by things we didn't intend the forgiveness you want towards people you've hurt or people that have hurt you is always available it is just so yeah. it is just so beholden to us to to seek it out or to offer it um yeah. i don't know i was just really struck by the power of that that line. And that's what I meant in just assessing the like of the movie for, for a movie so riddled with bombast in terms of scares and stuff like there's, that's a rich through line. Um, yeah. and really speaks a lot to the, the, the value of these characters, you know, sort of as you, as you leave, like that's, that's what I left that movie with. I was like, holy cow, you know, um, diapers in the face and forgiveness being available whenever you want it. Um, but, it, but, it, yeah. but, it, but it harkens back. I keep cutting you off when I think you're trying to jump in. I'm sorry for that, but it harkens oh, back okay. to, um, uh, to split and how the, the question of, do you want to be well? Right. I mean, that's it. Right. Do you right. want forgiveness? Do you want mm-hmm. to be forgiven? Well, sure, but I'll get back. I'll get to that at some point. Right. And, and then there's a moment that will come in your life where that availability is gone. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that was actually, just something that was really, really, really resonant to me. That's one of my that's one of my primary primary themes as well is just uh, the the ramifications of unforgiveness of lingered unforgiveness. Sure. Um, and one thing that I will say, just looking at Shyamalan's body of work, is that before the visit and before Split, he had really rarely told very many cautionary tales. Hmm. You know, even though it's not a good film almost at all. The happening could kind of be seen as one uh, about environmental sure, issues, sure. but but he had really rarely told a story where um, you know the characters face irrevocable consequences for actions that they had taken and stuff like that. And in this one, um, and in Split, both of them end with a kind of a sort of a, a heaviness to the plot. Um, I'll speak specifically about Visit because we we talked extensively about Split that. You know, yes, the, the the fact that these two people are not Becca and Tyler's grandparents is one thing. But the fact that Becca and Tyler will never know their grandparents. Sure. That they will never know them at all. Uh, our uh, co-host friend at More Than One Lesson, Tyler Smith, uh, in talking about this film, said there's emotional consequences for that narrative choice. And I agree with that. There's... 
heavy emotional consequences for saying that like, oh, Becca and Tyler are never going to know their real grandparents. Sure. They are only going to hear about them through stories, many of which are filtered through this lens of a 15 year gap of, you know, that, that there's not really any relationship between their mom and their grandparents because of this. And it all came down to the mom not choosing to accept the forgiveness that was being, that had been handed to her. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, months after the events, which rifted them. Right. Um, right. that, that it was not very long at which an olive branch was extended and rejected by the mom. Right. To, to, to make amends with these people. And I will say not to get super heavy super quickly, but that's one of the things that, that I think every human being on the planet who's wrestling with something always suffers from. There's going to be time. Right. There's going to be time right. to make things right. There's going to be time to make things better. There's going to be time to make the phone call. Now, I don't say that you have to do things you're not ready for. I don't think that you have to force yourself into things you're not emotionally ready for in terms of forgiveness. Sometimes the rifts are deep and sometimes the rifts are irrevocable where the relationship will actually never be reunited again. But I do think that we all suffer from the falsity that time is abundant for us, that sure. there's always going to be these multiple opportunities. Things happen every single day that don't even necessarily involve death, that just changes forever the nature of the situation. And what was before and what was readily available to us before now is is no longer for us. And I think that we see that in the visit play out. Obviously, the the visit is a heightened story. It's it's got a lot of I'll even use the word absurdity going on in its in its narrative beats. But so many things would have been different. Uh, uh, Becca and Tyler would never have been in this position if they had right. ever seen their grandparents. That they would not they would have shown up and known like uh, you're not Nana and Pop Pop. Who are you and what's going on here? And then it all would have unraveled. Like that we never would have had. The, the peril that they found themselves in, uh, that we kept referring to. So I think that one of the things that I specifically walked away with is, and, and really I don't have much to say on it beyond what I've already said, just because I think it's, it's kind of on the nose is just to say we always imagine that there will be enough time to take care of whatever we need to take care of, to repair whatever has been damaged. We always presume that I can sit with this anger. I can sit with this outrage. I can sit with this bitterness, with this resentment. I can sit with it and I will deal with it when I feel like dealing with it. When I've right. got time, I'll deal with it. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we do eventually get that opportunity. We do eventually get the chance to make things right. That happens frequently. Whether or not we take it in those moments, that's really what we're talking about is it's not even so much just, oh, I've got time or I'll, I'll be ready someday. It's also the notion of will you accept it when it's given to you? When an opportunity to make things right is given to you, is presented to you, will you take it? Or do you want to just hold on to your resentment? Do you want to just hold on to your bitterness? Well, and, and to, um, if, yeah. I can, if I can jump in to kind of piggyback on that, it's also this movie is actually, you know, in this sort of more rich than expected emotional subplot. It also... It's a good illustration of how the wounds we inflict on others, um, the wounds that get inflicted on us, the forgiveness we seek or don't seek, the forgiveness we offer or don't offer affects more than just us. 
Uh, absolutely. Like, yes. These, you know, you made the point a minute ago and I'm, I'm drawing a real clear line to it. Like, it's not even just that these kids will never know these grandparents. You know, that's kind of sad in and of itself. But my gosh, the actions of 15 years ago by the mom have now propelled her children into life threatening scenario yes. that, that now in, in, in a lot of ways, they owe her some forgiveness. Am I saying that correctly? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. there's, there's deep apology that has to happen on her part towards them. You know, there's, there's, yes. a, there's a way in which the movie kind of, it honors the emotional subplot. It doesn't honor some of the psychological subplot. There's a way, like in the credits with Tyler, you know, who's rapping and stuff. It's like, yeah, there's no way that kid is that whole after that experience, you know, that quickly. Um, but <laughs> right, you, right, you know, right, right. So sort of the psychology gets kind of brushed to the side, but, um, on an emotional level, you know, those actions and, and, you know, the, the relationships in our own lives and how, sensitively or not we are towards them have ramifications beyond just us and that individual right right and even in that moment i I couldn't agree with you more about the ramifications of our unforgiveness to those around us to that it extends beyond just us but the mom who i want to look up her name because i don't want to keep calling her the mom but um she's so good actually she's Actually, she's credited as mom. Um, but, um. Well, I mean, that actor uh, is who I'm referring to, the, the actress. Yeah, Ka- uh, Catherine, uh, Han. Catherine Hahn. Right. Yeah. Yes. And they call her, they, uh, she's credited as mom. They call her something in the film, and I'm embarrassed that I can't remember. But, um, but don't, basically. Don't be embarrassed. We're all friends. It's okay. You'll forgive me? Yeah, I will. Um, so, uh. This time. This time. She actually received two opportunities to make things right and rejected them both. So the first opportunity and the second opportunity is, uh, is much more subtle. It's hidden and I didn't catch it until the second viewing. The first opportunity is that, you know, a few months after the big rift when she fought with her parents, you know, 15 years ago, um, then they extended her an opportunity to make things right and she rejected it. But I don't know why I did this because when I was watching the film the first time around, I for some bizarre reason thought that the Nana and Pop Pop that we see, the the um, mental patients, I thought that they had reached out to the mom and said, hey, the kids should come for a visit. You know, like I thought they had initiated all of this. Sure, sure. But in rewatching it again, I realized, no, the real Nana and Pop Pop are who orchestrated this visit. Right. That right. the real Nana and Pop Pop were, and maybe you caught that on the first viewing. I didn't because I was too freaked out or too, or I wasn't, I didn't catch it in that moment. But the real Nana and Pop Pop were the ones who were reaching out again to get to know their grandchildren and then tragically were murdered before the visit actually took place. But it was it was so clear to me that like, oh, okay, that was an opportunity in whatever correspondence took place for Nana and Pop Pop to communicate to mom that they wanted to see their grandchildren. There could have been a Skype. We know they can use Skype. Right. There could have been some sort of communication, FaceTime, some sort of picture sharing or some sort of something. But the mom wanted nothing to do with it. She agreed to let it happen. But the mom wanted to, to you know, to just sort of completely sever the ties and completely sort of stay ending. And I brought, I had a scripture that I wanted to, to bring in. And it's interesting, well, maybe not interesting, but it's ironic that the condition that Nana and Pop Pop have specifically Nana is called sundowning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you probably know where I'm going with the scripture verse. But of, of course, I wanted to bring in 
Uh, actually, I'll bring in two. First one is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Probably heard this quoted many times. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Sure. The, the eminence of needing to make things right, right now. Right. While, while there is still today, while you still have an opportunity to make things right, make things right. And then I also was reminded of Colossians 3.13 that just says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against, against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, which is open-heartedly and in full abundance. We have had several conversations about forgiveness on this show, uh, even starting with Devil. Devil got into a little bit of confession and forgiveness. We've talked about it many times. But I think, uh, you know, by way of sort of winding down, I just want to walk away recognizing and saying, like, if you have a relationship in your life that you know you would like to repair, don't wait to try to to repair it. Do everything that you possibly can to try to make things right. If you were the one who who was wounded, if you were the one who was hurt, then I would strongly encourage you not to let – she says it. The mom says it to Becca in the movie. You can't hold on to anger. It will destroy you. And it will destroy, as you pointed out, it will destroy more than just you. It will echo and reverberate throughout possibly even generational things right. because it's her children that have been affected, not like sure. her, the person she's in a relationship right now. It's her children. So it will continue to extend. And there's a lot that we could say that I'm not going to say right now about some people took the film to task for uh, perpetuating a fear of the elderly, which I, I want to... Be cognizant and aware enough to acknowledge that and say, I do not, as we talked about with Split, I don't think that's the purpose of this film. And I don't think it's necessarily, while it plays off of some of those ideas, I don't think that's what the film's about. I think the film's using a, a heightened situation to have a conversation about forgiveness and about sure, reconciliation. Sure. Um, and I think that's the, that's the core that I walked away with it. And that's the core that I would encourage any, uh, if you haven't seen the film, we've spoiled most of it. But if you haven't seen well, it, um, we may have spoiled plot points, it. but it's it's man, it's good. It's effective. Yeah, it's a really it'll, effective. Ma it'll, it'll make you want to play Yahtzee. <laughs> and maybe that's a good maybe that's a good way. Uh, like we're talking about its effectiveness and how how good it is. Uh, you wanna you wanna do our David S. Pumpkins let's, ratings? Let's do it. Let's bring all David S. Pumpkins. Let's see if it's better than Split, because that's the big debate uh, in my head right now. Is 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 this going to top last week's Split? Um, so let's let's see. Let's see where it lands. Do you? Well, here's a question. I mean, well, we've done this before, so it doesn't really matter. I'm trying to think like how often do you reserve judgment on a movie before you've seen it more than once? Um, but we've done that before already, so it's not that big a deal here. Um, so let's do it. Let's ignore that sort of pondering and we'll jump into our pumpkins. So we are judging on right. style, scares, and substance. Um, yes. I will go first with style and I'm going to give it a five. Wow. Yep. Give it a five. That is yep. bold, my friend. Yep. Bold. Well, you rate style based on how much you enjoy the film and then yep. it's clear you enjoyed this at a level five. Right. Um, I, again, approach style, meaning sort of more how is the story approached and how is it sort of handled. Um, and I'm going to give this one a four. Even though my enjoyment, pure enjoyment would be a five, I'm going to give it a four for my under interpretation of style. I mean, do we need to harmonize this moving forward? Like, uh, people are going to be like, wow, I don't know how to no, interpret this. No, all, no, right, no. all right. I think we, I think we represent a good balance of two different ways that you could interpret style. Yes. We're right. a good blend of horror and comedy. Yes. So, um, <laughs> what would you say for scares? Uh, five. 
Yeah, I'm five for I'm five for scares, dude. This movie freaked me out. Yo, it was <laughs> it was bonkers. I mean, yeah, it was, this movie freaked me out when yes. I saw it. Oh my lord, that that yeah. And admittedly, the scares was, diluted again. It was like bat Jennifer Love Hewitt crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh, I All love right, it. so substance. Um, so substance for me, I would give it uh, probably a four. Yeah, I, I'm probably. Like I want, part of me wants to do three and a half, but that doesn't feel like I'm going to go three and a half. Yeah. I mean, I think it's got some good things it's flirting with. I don't think sure. it dives hard enough in it for me, for it to rise kind of far above that for me, but still three and a half. It's pretty solid. Right. Right. Okay. All right, my friend, we are giving the visit. I just want to point out that because of you, we gave frailty a seven and we gave the exorcist an eight and a half. The Exorcist, an eight and a half, Nathan Rouse. But we are officially giving the visit nine David S. Pumpkins. Yeah! Any questions? David S. Pumpkins. Oh, That's man. Hilarious. But no, seriously, I think this is a really, really great film. I do love it. It's one It's one of my favorite M. Night Shyamalan experiences. Um, and uh, and it was really glad after some of the travesties that he had been putting out that that uh, the visit sort of kicked the door back down. Um well, as we always say, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it's not the end of the conversation. We would invite you to visit har, har, um, a number of places to uh, reach out to us and share your thoughts on this film about the work of Shyamalan. We are in the midst of, uh, we're too deep now of springtime for Shyamalan, three more to go. Um, we would invite you to go to Twitter. Nathan, what is our Twitter handle? At the fear of God. You can also like us on Facebook. There's a link to that through Twitter. Um, you can also post there. You can comment to us on our posts. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. And Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter besides the fear of God? At the Nathan Rouse. And you could also go to morethanonelesson.com, leave a comment on this post or any of the other shows that we've done. You can also uh, email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. You could leave us a review on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, then <clears throat> I would ask sincerely that you please take the time to leave us a brief iTunes review. And uh, it really helps boost our listenership. And it's uh, free and fast. So um, if you uh, would be so kind as to do that, we'd greatly appreciate it. And we will be uh, continuing on with Springtime for Shyamalan next week. Again, we're kind of going in a bit of a reverse order. So, Nathan, I know you are very much looking forward to our next episode because what are we talking about next week? The Happening. You are a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're really not talking about We are not going to discuss ever. No, we are not discussing whatsoever. We are talking about The Village, which... Which is arguably my favorite Shyamalan movie. Yes. So, The Village is the one that I think we're going to probably get the most divisive opinions about. Because we are in such a minority for The Village being as as, as affectionate towards it as we are. So, listeners, if there's going to be any episode that you want to hear, like, why do these guys love Shyamalan so much? Listen to next week's episode, because even not having had the conversation yet, I guarantee you this this is going to be sort of... One of the more substantial ones about why we love this guy so much, because we think that The Village is a rather underappreciated film, uh, even though it does have, in my opinion, its problems. I feel like but, you're inviting people to, like, throw stones at us. 
I, I want people to just enjoy it. I'm inviting people to listen to the episode because yeah. most people don't like the village. And most people would see like, oh, they're talking about the village? Nah, forget it. Mm. You know, no, it, listen to the episode. I think yep. you'll like it. So thank you very much, uh, listeners, as always. And Nathan, thank you so much uh, for having this conversation with me. I, I appreciate yes. it as always. Uh, likewise, my friend. We will see you all next time on Springtime Pashamalan number three. See you guys next week. Bye. David S. Pumpkins. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, for the record, Nathan thinks The Visit is a better film than The Exorcist. Well, comment at morethanonelesson.com. I'm just kidding. Wow. He's just like, <laughs> Jesus. He just like totally I'm wiped a diaper in my face just there. Like, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I am just I'm teasing. Just more, I'm totally yeah, teasing. I'm just more easily entertained, I guess. <laughs>